Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malakian, the U.S. Editor of Waters. I am joined, as always, by James Rundle, our news editor. Hello. And today we have a special treat for y'all. We have Wei Shen Wang over from uh, Hong Kong. Hi. So, um, Wei Shen's in town on Monday. Uh, we have our annual Waters USA conference. Uh, we've been banging on about it for a while now, so hopefully you've registered. Hopefully I'll get to see you there. Uh, if you haven't, if you're an end user, there is still time to register. It's free to attend if you are from a bank, asset manager, um, broker, whatever have you. Um, so, yeah, um, just go to waterstechnology.com. The information's there, and if you're going to be there, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you like on the podcast. Let us know what you hate. But uh, so Wei Shen's over for that event, so she'll be here for two weeks this weekend, uh, all of next week. That's right. Um, exciting times, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm showing around Williamsburg right now and uh, all the cool, hip, trendy spots that I say, you can go there, I'm not going to go there. We've taken her to precisely <laughs> one bar in Manhattan yeah, so far, yeah. multiple times. <laughs> yeah, we keep on taking her to the White Horse Tavern in the financial district, so I think that she's going to be like, man, they are really, really terrible hosts. Yeah. <laughs> just, they love this bar. Right? Yeah. I don't understand why. <laughs> so today on the podcast, um, Wei Shen, at the end, we're going to be talking about uh, just some of the broader trends that, uh, that she's seen in the marketplace in Asia looking at cryptocurrencies um, out there, uh, MIFID II, um, how it's going to affect firms over there, and just what areas you know are get, gaining the most interest uh, from her sources that she's seen so far as we head into 2018. Um, but first we have, well, before we even get to the news stories from this week, um, go to waterstechnology.com. There is an excellent profile by Agalos Andreu. It's on uh, ESMA's um, chairman, or, chairman, yeah, yeah. chairman, uh, Stephen Mayor. Um, yeah, you yeah, got it. it. Go. Hey. Whatever. <laughs> um, wait till we get to Xavier. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a really, really good profile. They uh, Aglo sits down with them and they talk about a lot of different topics, everything from Mifid three potentially coming about. Um, yeah, there's all kinds. If you're a financial regulation buff, then there's all kinds of stuff in there for you. It talks about. Yeah, uh, Mifid 3 and how that's not happening yet. Um, talking about how what ESMA expects from people come January the 3rd when Mifid 2 goes into effect. They talk about the possibility of ESMA issuing no action letters. Um, and they talk about Brexit and also how that's kind of affecting ESMA's role as a regulator in the market. So it's really good. Like, genuinely a fantastic interview. Yeah. Um, so go check that out. Again, waterstechnology.com. Um, you should know the place by now. Uh, there was also some news this week that we'll quickly hit on. Um, not a big surprise. This has been, you know, there's been a lot of talk around this for a while now. But um, at the uh, LSE London Stock Exchange, uh, Xavier Rollet. Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah, there we go. Here, but, yeah, 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 it's close enough. It's close enough. Well, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> he's no longer um, at the uh, LSE. That was supposed to happen in 2018. Um, he was going to step out at the end after a proper search for a replacement candidate. Right. Turns out that that's good, not going to happen. And uh, Donald Bryden, I think, is yeah, going to be Donald taking Bryden. over. He's currently. Well, no, Donald Bryden is the chairman. He's David, also out. David Warren, the CFO, is going to take over as this room CEO. CFO David Warren taking over. And, and Bryden and, isn't necessarily out, but he's not standing for re election in 2019 when his term's up. Yeah. So. Tell us a little bit about it, James. Uh, well, it's a little bit weird, to be honest with you. Um, I mean,. As we said, Rollet already said that he was going to leave, um, and the writing on the wall 
was there when the Deutsche Borsa LSE merger fell apart. And actually, he was going to leave before that anyway. Uh, Carsten Kengetter, who was the CEO of Deutsche Borsa, uh, was going to take over as CEO of the group and Rollo was going to step down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's been this weird kind of investor thing going on with TCI where they were trying to get Rollo to stay on until 2021 and get Bryden to leave and no one really knows exactly what's going on. There's all kinds of like rumours of skullduggery going on about how the LSE board was going to release a, mm-hmm. a manifesto with embarrassing revelations and all the rest of it. Um, Proper house of cards in it, I mean, I wonder what's going on. So if you know, please tell me. Um, I won't be able to keep it a secret, but I'll be interested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll keep your name a secret. We'll keep your name a secret, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was very much a sort of classic British business story of... Um, you know, the CEO, I think, just got fed up with the whole thing and went, you know what, just forget it, fine, I'm going to leave. You guys can give me 12 months gardening leave and I'll keep my bonus and whatever and just deal with it. I liked, uh, I liked this from your story. So James wrote the story on this, but um, so at, toward the end he goes, as such, Relay's career at the LSE, LSEG came to an end in the most British way, British of ways. A raised eyebrow from the senior gentleman on Threadneedle Street a meeting of the board and a swift departure full of suggestive seppuku uh, about the good of the company. So, so it was kind of weird like that uh, Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, commented on it the day before and said, you know, it's been a great eight and a half years, but all good things have to come to an end, essentially. <laughs> and at that point when the governor of the Bank of England is going, step down, Xavier, you're kind of like, okay, I guess. But it's, it's kind of a shame, really. He, he took over the LSE um, nearly nine years ago, and at the time it was just not in great shape at Nasdaq had tried to attempt a hostile takeover and just about managed to beat it off um, they're a perennial takeover target and then under his stewardship you know the share price increased sevenfold they became a real force in global markets and uh, but he was hamstrung by the thing that all exchange CEOs seem to want to do for some reason which is combine into massive exchanges yeah. and every time this happens if you're going to be king you want to conquer some worlds otherwise you're well, really yeah, king yeah you've you got know? to wonder what the kind of yeah the psychological motivation behind it is but he tried it with uh, TMX H and it didn't work apparently Singapore exchange that fell through or never happened if you believe them mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously Deutsche Börse and you know every time this happens the European Commission just goes no like we're not going to do it and spectacularly badly timed as well around Brexit that killed it in the end yeah. um, and uh, yeah and I don't think it helped that Carsten Kengesa got embroiled in a Insider trading scandal as well, but um, you know, a bit of a shame, a bit of an ignominious end to what was otherwise a very strong and uh, illustrious career at LSE. Yeah. Um, the other big news from the week: um, Nasdaq is became the third uh, exchange operator to announce that they Bitcoin will be futures. launching Bitcoin <laughs> futures. We won't talk a lot about this. James has a good article. He did uh, get to speak to some people. And, it was first reported at Wall Street Journal, but then uh, James well, got some extra coverage. I asked our former colleague Alexander Ozopovich from Risk. Oh, he was the one that covered yeah, that? Yeah, Ozopovich broke it. Not bad. Um, uh, yeah, so I spoke with a couple of guys I know um, who are familiar with it, and they said that the CME is offering it, or going to be offering it, so SIBO Global Exchange as well, where they think they're differentiated is the fact that they're going to take the reference price from 50 different exchanges, whereas CME bases it on its reference rate, which already exists, which takes it from four. Um, and they're also going to put things like circuit breakers in. Like the people I asked about it, I said to them, like, you know, you're putting circuit breakers in, but even last night it rose up to 11,000. They lost 20% of its value overnight. So, what the hell kind of like boundaries? Well, 50% circuit breakers, I guess. You know, I was, yeah. was going to say, yeah, you know, what kind of loss are we talking about before they kick in? They're just like, yeah, we haven't worked that out yet. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, 
And there are a few things that are still in train, so they need to work out how the margin is going to be calculated by the by the options clearing corporation. will do that. Um, I imagine that's going to be pretty hefty margin payments on something so volatile. Yeah. And just all coming back to this point of why are you doing this? I don't understand. <laughs> like you know, get in the game. Don't want to be the last man standing. Could have get in the game, but I mean, look at it. This is not by any safe stretch of the imagination a reasonable asset to be investing in if you're managing other people's money. It's great yeah. if you've been in there um, and you're riding that market all the way up. But you know. Um, so a couple of traders have said when they first end the trading floor they get told never try and beat the market never try and um, you know capture the, the low as well just somewhere in the middle is a good place to be and there's never a middle with Bitcoin so well, listen you know I mean uh, uh, John McAfee uh, he thinks it's going to get to one million dollars yeah. and he has an interesting prop bet against himself where he's going to eat a piece of himself um, if uh, if it doesn't hit there is so. that a bet with John McAfee betting John McAfee that he'll eat John McAfee's yeah, of, right. yeah, yeah. That man's just lost it, isn't he? <laughs> Fascinating, man. Um, Bitcoin, currencies, cryptocurrencies, digital currencies. Yep. Our colleague here, Wei Shen, she wrote an excellent uh, feature on um, the how the various regulators in APAC, as it's such a fag- fragmented um, landscape there, how they're all kind of handling this. Broadly, maybe to start, what, as far as investment, as far as interest in Asia, where are the main sources of interest coming from? For digital currencies? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Japan. Japan's one that's really uh, hot right now. Um, and it's really interesting because the JFSA has approved of 11 um, digital currency exchanges. Um, Whereas a lot of the other operators are still kind of, uh, they, they have been told to stop operations, but they're actually just waiting for approvals, some of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there, there could be more uh, exchanges approved by the JFSA in the, in maybe in the next year. And some of those budgets are quite quickly Japanese, aren't they? I think there's one where, I think if you want to certify that you are able to trade, they send you a thing through the post and you sign it and say, yes, I can trade, and then you yeah. send it back <laughs> and then everything's hunky-dory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite good, I guess, that they're actually putting things like auditing the exchanges in place, right? And that kind of thing. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I, I suppose uh, Japan has decided to take that move first because it doesn't want the repeat of what happened in 2014. Oh, uh, with Mt. Gox. Yeah, yeah. with Mt. Gox. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, um, ended up with the exchange losing some of its own um, its its own bitcoins and its customers' bitcoins as well, you know, racking up losses of so hundreds of millions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 500, 500 million. In fact, wasn't the guy in court the other day, I think, so the, the things yes. are going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey guys, Bitcoin's safe. <laughs> I know a guy at Nasdaq is selling some futures on it. If you're interested, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh... yeah. But we, I think, I think with, I mean, for Japan specifically, they're going to be doing some, most likely some interesting things ahead of the the um, the Olympics in Tokyo in 2020. So they're they're aiming to establish a JCoin, um, I suppose, for uh, people to use there to transact. So rather than having to use your credit card or something like that, you yeah. would go to the Olympic Park and everything there would be using, built around JCoin. Is that not effectively what Disneyland does? When you go to Disneyland and buy Disneyland dollars? And I haven't been there since two, like, when I was eight years old. I've, I've never been there, yeah. so uh, yeah, I'm just saying, but it just it doesn't seem oh, that revolutionary didn't know to me. That. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the brisket sound like a bitter old curmudgeon now. Well, the other one is China, you know, they have, um, I mean, Bitcoin there is also thriving. Uh, a lot of the miners are actually um, 
Chinese. That kind of surprised me, though. I mean, considering China is so strict on its capital inflows and capital outflows, and they're allowing, and that you're right, you know, the, the vast majority of the mining community is Chinese, and it kind of amazes me that the uh, the CSRC kind of lets it carry on. But no. yeah, but what they have cracked down on is the initial coin offerings. Yeah, I guess so, right. Yeah, yeah, ICOs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, they have banned uh, all ICOs, similar to I mean, and South Korea um, decided to implement that later on. Mm. Um, yeah, but basically, uh, a few a few comments that I got from it was well, first of all, capital control controls. Uh, so, um, ICOs can be a sketchy of like people taking money in and out, uh, you know, from the country. So they didn't want to they, they didn't want to um, let that happen. Uh, another thing is because China um, China's markets even on the exchanges is really um, very heavily retail driven. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want a lot of speculation to happen, and which is what happened in the case of ICOs. So they said yeah. to kind well, of that's, that's literally what Bitcoin is. is it? yeah. But on the other hand, I, I heard some, I mean, someone told me that, you know, oh, they just said to ban it, um, you know, while waiting to see what they actually really want to do with it. So once they come up with proper regulations for it, then they will allow it again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I did have a mate from Singapore text me the night and said, you know a lot about Bitcoin. I said, I know a little bit about Bitcoin. And he goes, found this platform, looks really interesting. I was thinking of putting some money into it. What do you think? And I went onto the website. And I can't name them for legal reasons because they'll be all over it if they find out. But I went on it and said, mate, their investment policy is literally illustrated using a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> think about this, come on. <laughs> but yeah. it seems that the, the Asian nations at least are taking a more proactive approach in terms of cracking down on ICOs and in terms of putting some actual kind of rigor in place. Whereas in the US, the SEC has kind of taken up shots at it and said, yeah, they're, they're probably full under federal securities laws and then done nothing about it since then. And the CFTC has kind of been like, Bitcoin's great. Jen <laughs> um, Carter with that mad glint in his eye kind of looking at fintech. But um, yeah, it seems the Asian nations at least are a bit kind of more yeah. forward thinking, progressive. Well, like the MES in Singapore and uh, HKMA in Hong Kong, they have, uh, uh, they said, sorry, the SFC in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. they say that if, if the token, if a token actually represents something like a security, then yes, they will be. Um, they will have to come under security law. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So what about Australia? They, I mean, I know they've been doing it around blockchain, but I don't know about cryptocurrencies. Oh, that's interesting because I, I actually read something somewhere about like uh, um, the Aust- Australian. Um, funny thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Basically, the, the the central bank of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get the gist of it. Fine. <laughs> They they wanted to uh, they were thinking about establishing a uh, a Bitcoin reserve. Mm-hmm. Oh, I read about this. As yeah, well. Did so everyone tell them it was a terrible idea and they shouldn't do it, or was it just a? Um, like... Some people thought the people that I spoke to, some of them thought that it was a good idea, mm. you know. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense because <laughs> because being a, a a reserve, you know, you don't want you don't want too too much of a swing, you know. Uh, so they would hold like. Um, very stable currencies like the US dollar, pound, and that sort of thing. But Bitcoin. Yeah, but then not. but then again I said if they're only holding like a very, very small percentage of I mean, if if their Bitcoin reserve is gonna be such a small percentage of their total reserves then uh, yeah, maybe it maybe it's there. fine. It's confusing, isn't there also an Australian Bitcoin company called Bitcoin Reserve as well? Which Yes, which I don't yeah. think is contactable anymore. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I'm, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, a bit sketchy there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I was talking to another trader, um, a, a bit a cryptocurrency trader, 
And he basically said, like, in, in Southeast Asia anyway, um, in terms of actual use, uh, Thailand and Philippines are the most advanced in Southeast Asia, where mm. you know, they, you're allowed to, or individuals are allowed to you know, buy and sell uh, Bitcoin in 7-Eleven. Um, so both countries which coincidentally have huge black markets. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, the last time I went to, I was in uh, Bali, Indonesia, this April, um, there were Bitcoin ATMs everywhere. Yeah. 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 Well, everywhere. that's also like, the Bitcoin was essentially created for exactly that purpose. Like, you know, I remember reading years ago a New York Times article about, you know, how Bitcoin started or its uh, uh, popularity in Argentina because there's such high tariffs on selling your goods outside of the country um, that in order to get around the government, you know, these vendors would basically, like mom and pop vendors would start you know, just transacting in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. basically, in order to avoid those huge, huge tariffs that they were facing. Um, so it, it makes sense to me that a country like Thailand, like the Philippines, that th- that they would be the ones that would just be more up into the wild, wild west scene well, yeah, of it. Especially considering, you know, they're more keen on... Uh, and Africa as well, I thought would be hugely into it, considering the prevalence of uh, mobile banking and person-to-person payments and that yeah. kind of thing as well. It seems natural, but, yeah. Okay. So, obviously, some regulation needs to be done around there. The big regulation coming out in 2018, eh, kind of good transition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> MIFID 2, we've written a lot about it. We've talked a lot about it. So much so that I was trying to do a new story about MIFID 3 the other day. My muscle memory for writing MIFID 2 is so ingrained that I physically could not write three eyes yeah. after it. I just kept doing two, and Victor was like, stop it. Come on, you mean three. I'm assuming you mean this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if to in Asia, what are maybe some of the interesting angles uh, specific to the Asian marketplace, specific to the participants there that firms are now trying to grapple with ahead of January 3rd? Is it a big deal in Asia? If it's... It, it is a big deal uh, to some, perhaps. So th- this... this... <laughs> That's what I like about UAS, it's the yeah. precision. <laughs> it is a big deal to some, maybe. <laughs> The thing is, like the key issue is like firms would have to figure out how exactly they're impacted. So even though they're not dealing in uh, in Europe, you know, uh, at all, but maybe some of their clients are. Mm-hmm. So they are indirectly impacted, and then hence, you know, if if their clients going to need to report or you know, need to get um or to get some reports uh, over to uh, ESMA, then they're going to require that of that uh, firm that is not impacted at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that's not dealing with uh, Europe at all. Yeah. So it's really about finding out, uh, am I impacted? How am I impacted? What should I do? Yeah. So, but the thing is, uh, and Agalus put something in, in the story saying that, you know, um, market participants had four years to prepare for this, essentially. And uh, so I think he was, sta- um, the chairman was saying that, uh, I think, uh, People should be prepared, oh, hey, ne- never but, underestimate know. the ability of the uh, financials to kick something into the long grass if they can. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean they were given an extra year on MIFID two anyways. So I mean, yeah, no, still I, going, I, I don't think that helped do at all. And yeah, well, and I think you, in Asia it does sound like from some of the things that you report on that there's just it's more of a confusion because they're not understanding like these massive banks that have these different silos, different debts, and how they interact with each other, how they mm-hmm. trade stuff like that. They're now kind of starting to realize. 
OS, I know you are underneath a lot of these reporting requirements, that there are a lot of things that you're going to have to start to uh, send to us, which I don't think that they realize because they said, oh, well, we don't really have that yeah. much. And, and there's elements of it's a European regulation. Why are we worried about it? The same thing we saw in the US until this year when people woke up and were just like, oh, yeah, actually, somewhat limited sympathy with that, considering that they're perfectly able to stop trading derivatives with the US on the day after CEFs came in, for instance. And mm -hmm. uh, so people do understand it, I think. It's just don't do anything about it until they absolutely have to. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. yeah, so it's, uh, I, I think you're, you're, you're right. Um, there's still a lot of confusion. Uh, definitely not ready at all. Uh, even if they're ready, they haven't even done any testing to, you know, their systems to yeah. see if they, they can run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and hey, we're in December now, well, tomorrow. Uh, we've got, what? 32 days. 32 days. Well, yeah. 32 days. But I mean, I think from the Asian perspective, they're also going to be thinking, oh, what's, uh, who's going to fine us for this? I mean, is there going to be a foreign regulator? And Maz is going to go, no, you're not going to fine us. There are plenty of <laughs> like European companies that are like, yeah, you know, this first year we'll have a little bit of a holiday, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I moderated a webcast yesterday on trade surveillance and MIFID 2, which arguably is tough, but it's one of those things that you should be doing anyway and it shouldn't be that hard to comply with. And people were going, 50% of people said they weren't going to be ready. And, yeah. uh, when I asked a question about regulatory forbearance, they were just like, yeah, we expect the regulators to be fine with it. And I can sort of hear the brows furrowing from the uh, Canary Wharf from here. And yeah. the SA has been like, um... And actually, that's what Stephen Mayor said in the interview. He's like, I just want to be very clear. <laughs> January the 3rd is when these obligations start. Um, <laughs> just because we're not coming after you in January the 4th doesn't mean our memories aren't very long. You know, this is And they will look for some scalps early on to, ma yeah. to make a case. But Asia, I, I have no reason, I have no insight this, but it just... Covering this market, covering finance now for a decade, yeah. you know, when it comes to regulations, you know, going through Dodd-Frank, stuff like that. When you get to the outside of where the regulation is hitting hardest, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of, listen, we didn't quite understand, yeah. give us another year and we'll figure it out kind of uh, I can imagine the Citibank Japan maybe getting fired, fired mm -hmm. for it, but I can't imagine, you know, Daiwa Capital Markets or Mitsubishi mm. UFJ getting a huge fine from the FCA for reporting for yeah. or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, we shall see, I suppose. Mm. But like a, a lot of, um, I mean, I spoke to several Singaporean banks, you know, that are, that have um, offices in or some part of the operations in London. And uh, they're, they're basically, they basically said that they're just going to, um, what do you call it, separate it. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, just hive and, it off and yeah, isolate it. Yeah, yeah, hive it off basically, and then operate as usual. You know, so if they need, if they're sending out new research from there, um, that's only that's going to hand, be handled by the London branch. Whereas in Asia, everything's going to work as usual. Yeah, Business as usual in Asia. <laughs> a lot more uh, traffic going through those desks than yep. before. Like, yeah. And then, so regulation cryptocurrencies. Beyond that, anything else that you're hearing that you think you're going to be looking to cover in 2018? Anything that you think is going to be interesting? specific to uh, the Asian marketplace and the companies that you've been covering? Yeah, so another thing that I've um, been hearing about a lot is uh, companies that are, or maybe even vendors that are, are trying to open up in Asia and expand over there. Mm -hmm. um, China is definitely a hard one, so once you get in, it's it's like it's it's pretty good news because it's a huge market you can cover, yeah, yeah. right? So who was the company that just recently you recently wrote about them? Uh, uh, MetaMarco, uh, yeah. they're a low latency switch vendor. Uh, so they just got a certification that every 
basically anyone who wants to sell anything to China needs this certification. Um, so yeah, they they just got it, and so now they can start selling. Isn't like uh, a CFETS or something it's called, or is it, is it a qualified foreign investor? It's CCC. No. It's like. Um, <laughs> On the yeah. spot. Wow. <laughs> CCC, it's good enough. Yeah. Again, precision. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. I mean, it's uh, interesting, especially considering China's been moving to open its markets with Bond Connect and with Stock Connect. And I guess that's going to be interesting to see how that develops next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, actually, it's not a lot going on there. But no. um, And yeah. it seems to be more of an excuse for mainland investors to access Hong Kong rather than the other way around. Though. Yes. So, yeah. 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 What else you got? Anything else uh, that you're going to be looking at for the new year? Well, I'm also looking at um, disaster recovery. Good topic. Good. We've got a volcano that's about to blow up. I think it's going to be pretty topical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see what happens there. Do you, do you actually think it's going to blow up? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so just to see how firms basically out in Asia, uh, whether they're well prepared for uh, any situation that happens, um, whether it be an earthquake uh massive power outage that happens for no apparent reason um well, cl- yeah. and climate change is you know certainly created more prevalent how much it can be tied and stuff like that there's obviously a debate but there is clearly more activity because of climate change uh, weather patterns like hurricane seasons yeah. are lasting longer hitting harder more than vicious. they were in the yeah. past um so yeah it'll be there have been a lot of events, a lot of um, typhoons, like you were saying in Hong Kong this year, there have been a lot of typhoons, yeah, right? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> and hard ones as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we saw some of the videos of like trucks being pushed over and like driven across the streets. Yeah, yeah. Hong Kong somehow doesn't get, I mean, we get hit hard, but we get warnings really early. So I think people are well prepared, they stay indoors and I mean, you, right. you don't have to go to the to office, you know? Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's 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 okay. They're well prepared, um, but yeah, other places like uh, Macau or yeah, then they just um, yeah, just they're not. Flexible. They get that they get hit really hard. Yeah. yeah, and that's something that like as firms are, you know, you keep on hearing firms like yeah, we're looking to expand in Asia. We want to get Asia. Yeah, I don't think that they're that they think as much about the uh, business continuity, disaster recovery mm-hmm. um, aspects of it. You know, talking with my dad who was working in, you know, um, data centers, this whole, like, building data centers, you know, he would always talk about how Asia was far behind um, New York, you know, companies when it came to DRBCP, um, and even Europe was behind, you know, America, and, you know, so it's, a lot of companies now start going in Asia, establishing their companies over there and they don't realize just you know these these floods in india that mm. you know wiped out you know that were deadly deadly floods that shut down the city and that they didn't have the um the the backup uh, yeah. because they weren't uh, we properly think, well, especially for european firms i mean we don't get earthquakes we don't get tornadoes we don't get typhoons we don't get monsoons or anything it's just mm. the, the worst of what it gets just armies bit. marauding across uh, the country we didn't really. find bloody warfare <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're good at that but um yeah we have no reason to think of these things for disaster recovery so that's probably why a lot of these firms tend to be quite weak when they go out to asia and uh, even parts of the us i guess mm-hmm. getting hit hard with hurricanes you know? yeah. yeah so this will i mean this is definitely something that firms will have i mean firms who want to expand into asia um, definitely have to consider and the thing is um, it also really depends on like how you want to expand in Asia and where because you know you're going to be dealing with uh, multiple uh, 
regulators that you'll have to deal with, you know, and, and mm-hmm. things don't operate the same way that they do out here in the US and UK. I mean, there are specifics and it really depends what you're doing and yeah. how you're going to do it. Like in Japan, you know, if you want to sell in Japan, you have to have a Japanese office, a Japanese salesman who'll go in and talk to you and that kind of yes. thing. It's, uh, you know, that level of investment, you can't just open up a representative office and then, like you can in the States, and be done with it. It sort of requires boots on the ground, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm. I was trying to think of a stranger things, like the weather's getting stranger, which brings us to stranger things. I assume you could, which is why that horrible explanation was yeah. coming. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a great transition, <laughs> but question's <laughs> over. Um, so me and her, uh, we chat on... Um, Facebook Messenger all the time, you know, because twelve hour differences. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, as far as waters is concerned. Uh, it's Thirteen hours, by the way. Thirteen the moment. hours now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget. You guys don't do the daylight savings time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so we're we're always kind of chatting just because uh, she's the only person that we have for waters out there. So she's a little bit on. So we try and make her feel like she's still part of the. <laughs> she is part of the team, but that. You know, that we're always connecting. Like I'm still part of the team. You are always part of the team. <laughs> the forgotten woman. <laughs> we, we like to talk, though, a lot about uh, TV shows and uh, what we're watching and stuff like that on Netflix. And Wei Shen has been constantly trying, since she got here, has been trying to find somebody to talk to about Stranger Things. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of us really watch it. No, so. no me, me, I did. So, I had, I, yeah, I spoke to her a bit about that. I do yeah. like that show a lot, though. I've seen most of the first season. It's, it's so it's cool. Charming, it's just so cool. It? Yeah. yeah. If you like Get, sci-fi, you definitely yeah. like it. Without giving away too many spoilers or anything like that, uh, what do you think of this new season? I think this new season, um, well, there was there was one episode that kind of branches off a little bit that talks about uh, one of the characters. Yeah, which is supposed to kind of like set up maybe like a third. Yeah, or which which could, I mean, you would, as as a viewer, I, I mean, I sat in and like, mm, Okay, it is a good episode for sure, but how, how does this really relate to the current problem that we're facing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't. So I was like, oh, okay, but it's still it's still really entertaining. And you think like, oh, okay, this is how like the, the producers and the writers are going to develop the next season because because of the success of Stranger Things 1, they had to do Stranger Things 2, and then now they're probably going to do Stranger Things 3. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so successful that uh, you know when there's gold in them, there are hills. You don't just stop after two seasons. I was actually yeah. I was surprised at how good the kids were. Yes, they are such good actors and actresses. It's amazing. Um, one of the main characters who is the one that's affected by um, the mm. Stranger Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I. I I really salute him. Like his his expressions and his uh, just the way he's acting is just amazing. And can can you imagine like doing that as a kid and in front of a green screen most likely, and yeah. you don't even know what's there, right? You couldn't have to imagine everything. <laughs> it's amazing. It's two better than one. Oh, well, that's hard. Um, they have a plus. It's like Godfather one and two. You know, it's it's both good, just hard to separate. It's it's hard. It's hard. A lot of people, a lot of people that I spoke to, didn't really like the the ending for this one, um, because they thought it was maybe too soft. Yeah. Let me ask you this: as somebody that hasn't watched Stranger Things, if I just wanted to start on Stranger Things two, is that fine? No, you need to watch Stranger Things one. You definitely need to because you need to understand. Well, then I'm never watching Stranger Things. No, you got to. It's only eight episodes in the first one. Tony's gonna watch the first. 
two minutes and turn it off because I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons for about five minutes of the first like, <laughs> so that's like, yeah. um, the, the, the TV show I've just started watching that I think I'm going to be in on uh, me is also watching it too is uh, Godless mm-hmm. it's on Netflix it's got uh, Jeff Daniels and the dude from Law and Order um, yeah, I can't remember his name and he was Charlie Skinner on um, on a newsroom but uh, it is an interesting show, a Western kind of show, um, where this you know group led by Jeff Daniels is murdering people left and right for being sinners. Or something. I, I'm not 100% sure what's happening. Right. It is a slow burn TV show. Like the first episode, it was. It, I've never sat through a show that moved that slowly, but by the end, I was really intrigued. I'm gonna sneeze here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> I started laughing and made it go um, So I'm going to stick with it. I'm not ready to give a recommendation on it. I, do I will say that the first episode is very slow. Um, now, apparently, the premise of this movie, the way that they sold it, the, the previews was basically it's a town of women. Um, that are all women to all men. That's what yeah. that's the impression I got from the trailers. But like, yeah. the first episode, I didn't get any of that. You know, certainly there there are a lot of strong women ca- female characters in it. Um, but it was really just about uh, Jeff Daniels hunting out this other guy. I can't remember who the actor is. Mm. Um, and then you have the lawman, the guy from Law and Order, I'm doing a great job of describing the show. Yeah, yeah. give it a try. <laughs> First episode is very like Miffin to an angel all over again. Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> James, for you, TV uh, show? For me, I'm looking forward to The Librarians coming back in a couple the of weeks. The Librarians? The Librarians. The series of really cheesy, like, made-for-TV movies uh, that came out uh, probably about sort of 10, 12, 13 years ago. Um, and they made a TV series out of it. It's absolutely wonderful. It's just a really fun... Um, stupid TV show that doesn't take itself too seriously doesn't feel the need to be gritty and dark and that kind of thing it's just a real pleasure to watch and that's coming back on TNT I think on the 15th so for its full season and you guys are both watching uh, Star Trek Star Trek I'm up to the episode where they're in the forest with those little things with the lights on Um, so I think I'm near the end yeah you're near the end that's a good one um, I realised actually how watching that episode, how few of the episodes in the season have actually been off the ship. Like the entire thing was just sentence. I was wondering what was yeah, feeling weird about it because in the original Star Trek, they're always going to different planets <laughs> and all the rest of it. In this one, they were just there with Draco Malfoy's dad the entire time and sort of you know. Uh, but it's been good. I've enjoyed it. I I wasn't sure about it at first, and I'm still not quite sure about the Klingons, um, like space ISIS. But um, <laughs> Uh, I've enjoyed it more and more as time's gone on. <laughs> well, I've, I've never been a, I've, yeah, I've never been a Trekkie. You never um, watched any, right? You didn't watch right. Next Generation. You didn't no. watch just uh, Deep no, Space no. Nine. I've probably oh, caught a few episodes in my childhood, maybe, yeah. but I never really got into it at all. This is a constant source of disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, I'm watching the. I watched the current one and you I the finished one, it good. like ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, and I actually yeah. like it. Yeah, um, so, yeah, can't speak Klingon at all, um, but <laughs> I can speak a little bit. But as somebody oh. never watched Star Wars, <laughs> you're on board. You're, you're Star, a Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, oh. God, don't even get me started. Damn it, Tony! <laughs> I can't wait for the movie though. <laughs> um, yeah, I was literally about to get up and walk out the room. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as someone who's never ever watched like Star Trek episodes um, or TV series, I, I thought that the 
uh, the first episode actually was a little bit slow, and I was like, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to continue, but mm. uh, I, I don't know for some reason I just yeah. like click next, and there it was watching yeah, yeah. it right till the that's end. Right. I can't believe you can watch it on Netflix in Asia as well, and not CBS. Yes, it's on Netflix All access, in Asia. Which doesn't work properly, in which I paid for the ad-free version. And what's it called? Uh, for Star Trek. Uh, did you enjoy the CGI of the lightsabers and everything, or? <laughs> I say I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are. Uh, we're <laughs> James has left the room. He's left. Okay. Well, uh, it's a wish and we'll be in town. I came back. They always come back. They always been crawling back. Um... Wei Shen will be at Waters USA. If you're going to be there, you should definitely take the opportunity um, to get to chat with her, especially if your clients uh, or if your company is going to be expanding or, you know, either their presence or services. Yes, come say hi to me. Yes. And um, definitely maybe tell you about Asia. Definitely, 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 (laughs) maybe. Um, We'll be there. Hopefully uh, you can grab a drink with us, even though I gotta do some video shooting stuff. I don't. Um, you can go drink with me. Yeah, so go too. drink with James, um, and then I will join in with uh, Wei Shen after we're done uh, shooting the videos that we have to do. But um, and then if you're gonna be at the American Financial Technology Awards, I will definitely be drinking copious amounts. Have you uh, got to do any MCing or nothing? Nothing. Or you, you That's nice. all, Victor. <laughs> yep, it's gonna be great having him over. Be like, I don't have to do the MCing this year. Oh, that's fantastic. And Victor will be on the podcast next week, too. Um, That's going to be amazing. I don't know if he knows that yet. I haven't told him yet. (laughs) Do you think he's going to do it? Like, he's just going to go, nah. No, he's not before. He no well, you, didn't, you didn't tell me. I only found out because of your last podcast. <laughs> yeah, the difference is that we can order you to do it. Yeah. He does have to say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if he doesn't come on, that means he hates you and he hates the podcast. So, you know, but. Uh, yeah, no pressure. Um, so, again, um, check out Agalosa's story, Stephen Mayor, um, our, the, the news stories that we talked about with Savior. Roll it. <laughs> Roll it out. Professor X. Um, And then NASDAQ, Bitcoin Futures, all that stuff we'll link to it. And then, um, and yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, Wei Shen, anything else? No, that's all. Jim? Don't even talk to me right now, too. All right. Well, off to the pub for us. Have a good day, (laughs) y'all.